I'm Maureen, a former kindergarten teacher turned mom on the road, and this is Asha. You're listening to Readers on the Road. Cranberry Christmas. Written and illustrated by Wendy and Harry Devon. Christmas was coming. Snow was on the cranberry bog, the smell of pine in the wind, and the freshwater pond frozen smooth. Mr. Whiskers, looking out from his kitchen window, was deep in gloom. Christmas was only three days away, and his pond should have been filled with skaters. Skaters in bright sweaters, laughing with their scarves flying in the wind. And he should have been there teaching them all to twirl and to do figure eights. But old Cyrus Grape had changed all that. He had moved next door to Mr. Whiskers into the stone house on the rise and claimed that the pond was on his land. Cyrus didn't like children. Whenever he saw them on the pond, he would hop on his sled and slide bumpity-bump down the hill. Scat! Off my pond or I'll have the sheriff after you! Cyrus would shout as he took his cane and chased the skaters to the snowy banks. It's my pond, you old scoundrel! Mine! Mr. Whiskers would boom back. But... When the old sea captain searched through his attic, the desk, and the cellar of his little gray cottage, he couldn't find anything to prove that he owned the pond. He began to wonder if he did own the pond. Mr. Whiskers brooded. Cyrus Grape cackled. And the little children sadly hung up their skates. Today, there were new troubles for Mr. Whiskers. A letter from his persnickety sister Sarah in the city announced that she was coming for Christmas. And after the holidays, she expected him to come back to the city to live with her. You can't take care of yourself. Your house looks like a shipwreck. And your money box is always empty, she scolded in her letter. Mr. Whiskers frowned. He liked the way he took care of himself. In the summer, he clammed and felt the water and sand on his bare feet. In the winter, he ice skated with the children all around him, like a school of fish. To think of leaving Cranberry Port... The idea of living in the city with Sarah and her striped cat made Mr. Whiskers furious. Fuming, he took his troubles to Maggie and Grandmother, who lived in a farmhouse on the other side of the dunes. Suffering codfish, what can I do? He waved his letter in their kitchen. When Grandmother heard Mr. Whiskers' news, She held her head. A guest at Mr. Whiskers' jumbled house. You haven't borrowed my broom since summer, she chided. 
I sweep in the spring, said Mr. Whiskers, looking at the ceiling. Grandmother shook her head. She and Maggie didn't waste time. Mr. Whiskers certainly needed help. In a few minutes, loaded with grandmother's soap and polish and bristling with brooms and brushes, all three took the path to Mr. Whiskers' house over the dunes on the ocean side. They went to work. How they worked! Maggie washed the windows. Mr. Whiskers scrubbed the floor. Grandmother dusted and gave orders. What's behind this couch? Lobster pots, Mr. Whiskers answered. What's this in the bathtub? My shell collection, growled Mr. Whiskers. Out with them all, ordered Grandmother. Mr. Whiskers grumbled about persnickety sisters and certain grandmothers, but he did as he was told. It was the end of the second day of helping Mr. Whiskers that the accident happened. Maggie had trimmed the pine tree and baked her favorite cranberry cookies. She had just put the last pan away when she heard a loud crash in the pantry. And suddenly, there were Mr. Whiskers' feet sticking right through the ceiling. Maggie raced upstairs. Poor Mr. Whiskers. With help from Maggie, he groaned and pulled himself up. It was then that Maggie spied the dusty black and gold box between the floor and ceiling. Carefully, they pulled it out and into the light. A treasure, Mr. Whiskers, said Maggie with shining eyes. Not in my house, sighed Mr. Whiskers as he carried the box down the stairs. He was right. It was filled with photographs and dusty old papers. But long after Maggie left, Mr. Whiskers was still studying the papers in the orange light of afternoon. He opened the last stiff parchment and began to smile. Now he chuckled. Then he slapped his knee and shouted, Suffering codfish! Hmm, I wonder what he just discovered. Christmas Eve brought a light snow to Cranberry Port, and the smell of the sea was in the air. Mr. Whiskers' sister Sarah, a round, brown-eyed woman with a flowered bag, arrived from the train station in Cranberry Port's only taxicab. Mr. Whiskers hugged her and introduced Sarah all around. She turned and stared at the cottage. How clean your windows are, brother! I love to shine the blinking things, he boomed. Grandmother sniffed and Maggie laughed. But when Sarah went inside the cottage, she could scarcely believe her eyes. She had never seen such a beautiful sight. The wooden table was polished and set with holly and red candles. And the Christmas tree, oh, it was a celebration of seashells. There had been no money for ornaments, so Maggie and Mr. Whiskers had painted the shell collection. 
It glistened with silver and gold. There were chains of snail shells, silver clam shells, and a golden starfish at the top. Sarah clapped her hands. Brother, you are a wonder. Mr. Whiskers smiled behind his whiskers. The night was a triumph. From the supper of clam chowder, grandmother's famous bread, hot spiced cider, and Maggie's cranberry cookies, to the singing of carols around the old piano. Oh, Mr. Whiskers, he pretended to cover his ears when grandmother trilled on the high notes. And there were gifts from the old sea captain, a sea-worn bottle, blue as a sapphire, for grandmother, a giant pink shell for Maggie, and a small ivory box for Sarah. Sarah dipped into her flowered bag and presented her brother with a new red knitted scarf and mittens. It was midnight. As Maggie left, Mr. Whiskers whispered into her ear that the children of Cranberryport should be at the pond at noon tomorrow, and he winked in a most mysterious way. Hmm. Christmas afternoon was cold and bright. Mr. Whiskers darted among the skaters and had just stopped to catch his breath when he heard the voice of Cyrus Grape. Arrest them all, Sheriff! Behind Cyrus stood a tall man with a broad-brimmed hat. There were screams at the, as the skaters fled in every direction, all except for Mr. Whiskers. Mr. Whiskers pretended he hadn't heard a thing. He skated, he whirled, and then he stretched his arms and glided like a great black-whiskered bird. Mr. Grape's face grew red. Off to jail with you, Cyrus screeched, pulling the sheriff after Mr. Whiskers. I'm skating on my own pond, you old fraud, replied Mr. Whiskers, turning and slowing down until he faced Cyrus Grape. Slowly, triumphantly, he reached into the pocket of his brass-buttoned coat and drew out a yellowed, red-sealed paper and waved it under Cyrus Grape's long nose. He handed it to the sheriff. The sheriff studied it carefully and looked at Mr. Grape. This paper proves that, that the pond belongs to Mr. Whiskers, he said. You, sir, you, you are trespassing on Mr. Whiskers' pond. Cyrus Grape turned a deeper red and roared with rage. He wound his muffler around his face and started up the rise to his house, pulling his sled behind him. Mr. Whiskers turned to the children and raised his hand for silence. My pond is yours to skate on whenever you like. Merry Christmas to everyone.
The crowd cheered. Sarah whispered to him, My goodness, you certainly can take care of yourself and all of Cranberry Port, too. Mr. Whiskers offered his arm to Maggie for a turn on the ice, and they skated off joyfully. I'm a wonder, he said to Maggie, and even the Whiskers couldn't hide the smile on Mr. Whiskers' face. The end. Really belong to Mr. Whiskers, but it belongs to somebody else. Well, Cyrus Grape thought it was his pond, but whose pond was it really? Mr. Whiskers. What a kind man to let all the children have a good skating time. Does that remind you of your neighborhood? Yeah. Where do you like to skate? At Porter's Landing. It's going to be Porter's Landing time soon. (laughs) 